When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I uh, try to take some stuff that's happening today and relate it to what's happening in the world of God. And I want to say congratulations to Devin and Anne Marie. They got married yesterday. I've had the honor of officiating at the ceremony. And Devin is the one who inspired this podcast. He said, you should do a podcast. I was like, I don't know how to do a podcast. So he paid for the graphic design and getting it all set up and sponsored it. He is our only sponsor, I think, ever. I'm really thankful for him getting Dear Padre started and for believing in me. Um, when I had a lot of doubts about myself. And it's good to have friends that believe in you and inspire you. And he's always done that for me. And I'm thankful for him and Anne-Marie launching off uh, into life together. Um, As the Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, said once at the first royal wedding that I got to see on TV, um, William and Kate, he said, marriage is the opportunity to get to know someone for the rest of your life. And... That is the beauty of marriage, is to be able to do that and to be yourself and um, learn to love and be loved. And those are pretty big challenges in life. And I'm thankful for Devin and Anne-Marie showing us how to do that. Thankful for them and and thankful for their wedding yesterday. There was a guy talking to me about going to the gym. He said he, he, there was this guy that he saw at the gym who was incredibly rude to him. And then the next day he got to the gym and this other guy was like really friendly and nice and they'd talk and chat. And then um, a couple of days later he'd go back to the gym and this guy would be incredibly rude to him, ignore him and just go about his business. And, and then Two days later, they'd be there again and have this long talk about life and everything. It sometimes happens at the gym, and he couldn't figure out what was going on until one day he found out this guy had a twin that he talked to. He was talking to the twin, or not talking to the twin, when he wasn't there. I have twin cousins, identical twins, Billy and Johnny. And they used to joke and play around with us as kids. They would switch shirts the second day of playing. Um, They'd wear two different shirts one day, and then they'd switch them up the next day when you'd see them. And everyone would go crazy because nobody knew which one was Billy and which one was Johnny. And honestly, and I haven't seen them in years, if they were standing here in the room today, I'm not sure I would be able to, to, to distinguish them. Um, that is the nature of twins. And Thomas, in the Bible, is called a twin. Um, There are many theories on why he's called the twin, Didymus, the twin. Was it because he looked like Jesus? That's one theory. I think he's called the twin because he had a twin, and everybody knew who his twin was, but his twin wasn't a disciple of Jesus. Imagine the conversations they had. Twins have a special kind of connection and intimacy that really very few other siblings share. 
I think. And um, sometimes languages that they can only communicate with each other in and things of that nature. And I can imagine Thomas and his twin, we don't know his name, talking about Jesus. And that conversation would be amazing, especially if they did it in their secret language. But Thomas is a twin, and so he knows how easy it is to fool people. Like the guy at the gym or Billy and Johnny. Most people, if they see someone that looks a whole lot like somebody else, a twin, is completely tricked by it. Even if the person talks a little different and has different interests and acts different, um, the way somebody looks is very imprintable on us. Um, We are people that are made to sort of recognize friendly faces and recognize people we know, even from a great distance. And so when we see someone with nearly identical characteristics, we immediately leap to the one person we know. And Thomas knows how easy it is to trick people when when you're in either a twin sort of disguise or just any disguise. And the crucifixion is... Been, has been a traumatic event for all the disciples. All of them are traumatized. And Thomas is traumatized. And one of the things that happens when you experience trauma is you lose the ability to trust. You lose the ability to, to feel that sense of trust with other people. And you lose the illusion of safety. Safety and trust go together. And there's another word for trust, and that's called faith. You lose your faith So much of what we see in people that leave the church and leave religion and leave religious communities is the loss of trust, the loss of faith because of trauma. It's not because they've sort of encountered intellectual arguments always that are insurmountable or other things that happen to people along the way, but it's usually a breach of trust, a lack of trust, an abuse, a disregard a betrayal. And so Thomas has felt this deeply as all the disciples have felt it, but he's feeling it even deeper than the others. His wounds are open. He is wounded by what Jesus did and what they did to Jesus. The disciples know that Jesus has somehow done this himself. He has marched into Jerusalem. He has antagonized the authorities. He has been silent at his trial, and he is willingly offering himself up as the sacrificial victim. And the disciples know that at a very deep level, and it is traumatizing to them. Not only have they seen him tortured and executed in the most brutal way possible, but they know that he is somehow involved in it in a way that few other deaths in the world have been. Jesus is the holy victim, the paschal lamb that is slain before the foundation of the world. And it's slowly creeping into the disciples' psyche and consciousness and soul that this is the case. That this is not some accident that happened on the way to the kingdom. And yet that thought is even more disturbing than the one that he was killed by Rome as a big mistake. They know there's something deeper happening, and that is the most disturbing thought of all. And Thomas knows how stupid people are when it comes to seeing what they believe. 
We all see what we believe more than we believe what we see. Our preconceptions and things that we want and deeply desire often strangely line up with reality that we perceive. This is true in love. When you have feelings of love towards someone that you meet, maybe in a friend group or somewhere, and you have feelings of love towards them and you pursue love towards them, however you do it. People do this in a lot of different ways. The mating rituals of humans are complex and intricate. Maybe you post selfies hoping that they'll like your or story or like your picture. Maybe you talk to them about something you think they're interested in. Maybe uh, you do a lot of different things to try to get them to realize that you like them and that they can like you too. And there's a lot of that going on in this ritual of connection and love. But when someone doesn't reciprocate that love, we often have a, and I'm talking we, good grief, I'm talking about me here, of course, and maybe you're like this too. We have this overwhelming override that can come in where it's like, oh no, they like me, they're just taking it slow, or oh, they like me, they just have to sort of wrap up some loose ends first, or they like me, but, and so that disconnect and disjunction between two people can be really profound and lead to a lot of hurt and and even worse. Um, A lot of feelings can be hurt that way when um, you suddenly wake up and realize they know they don't like you. They're not interested in you. And here you've been projecting on them your own interest um, rather than their own feelings about you or about me. Of course, I'm not, I'm talking about a friend here, not myself. Um, that's not how it works. And so Thomas knows this about people, how easy it is, how easy we are fooled by appearances and how easy we are fooled by our own feelings, especially in trauma and grief. Instead of calling him doubting Thomas, we should call him wounded Thomas, for he is wounded, wounded by the crucifixion. And as wounded people do, they, they lash out, they practice behaviors of traumatized people. They hide, they disappear, they isolate. We lash out, we disappear, we isolate, we do all these things. And Thomas is doing them here and he's not with the other disciples when they're there. They have very real fears, as John tells us. Fear of the Jews, these are not all Jews. The disciples are Jews. Jesus is a Jew. Thomas is a Jew. Um, Fear of the Jews, maybe the Judeans, we could say. That's the technical Greek word that is used here in the New Testament. So the people that lived in the vicinity of Jerusalem were slightly different in many ways, or in some ways, to the people from Galilee, like the disciples were mostly from Galilee. A different region of Jewish civilization at that time in the first century with slight accent differences and things like that, as we know from the denial of Jesus by Peter. But nevertheless, they are all Jews in the way we think of Jewish people today. Um, But the reference here, fear of the Jewish leaders, perhaps, who are actively trying to round up the disciples, or that's what the disciples think anyway. That's what I would do if I was I'd crucified Jesus, I'd go find all of his followers and round them up too to make sure they didn't cause any trouble. 
they've already thought and suspected that they've come and stolen his body. There's a lot of fear. And so Jesus shows up in the midst of them with a message of peace, but Thomas isn't there. He tells them they can forgive sins. And if they don't forgive sins, those sins will be retained. He gives his apostles the authority to forgive sins, which is passed down from priest to bishop to priest to bishop all the way down, I think, and I believe to me, the sacrament of reconciliation, of confession, is the most sacred thing that I do as a priest, to hear people's sins and to pronounce God's forgiveness for their sins. This, is come, this comes from this text. If you've never done that, I encourage you to reach out to me or some other discreet priest that you trust and make a confession. Do the sacrament of reconciliation. If you've got something that's weighing on you, it doesn't go away, keeps coming back, take it there. Let God deal with it in that way. But Thomas wasn't there. Wounded Thomas is not there. But he shows up eventually. And Jesus looks at him, gives his message of peace, and says, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Jesus, instead of reacting to Thomas's doubt, we might say, the wounded Thomas, he knows that Thomas is wounded and he relates to him through his wounds. He says, look at my wounds. I'm wounded just like you. I am one of you. I'm a wounded man traumatized by the crucifixion and you are a wounded man traumatized by the crucifixion. The community of Jesus is a wounded community that introduces each ourselves by our wounds. And that's the way we find the healing power of Jesus. Jesus does not heal by negating wounds or ignoring wounds. He goes right in there. He takes our hand in his and puts our hand into his side so we can feel his flesh and blood and feel his heart beating. When the spear pierced his side, it pierced his heart. And that is the place that he says we should touch, that wound. And you have a wound, and I have a wound, and we all have wounds from this life. And that is the place that Jesus meets us in. That is the place that Jesus invites us into. Because that is the place that we can find healing. That's the place we can live again. That's the place that we find the real life on the other side of death that Jesus has. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.